Hello, and welcome to the Philosophical Angle Podcast with your host, author Chris Angle. Hi, this is the Philosophical Angle Program, and I'm your host, Chris Angle. I'm the author of four books on philosophy, one of which is Defining Ethics, Good and Evil. And uh, if you'd like to contact us and make comment, you can give us an email or make a comment below. And the email is contact at philosophicalangle.com. Along with me is my colleague and co-host, Rick Samuelson. Rick graduated from Yale and has MBAs from Wharton and Tufts, and he's an independent venture capitalist. And, and the purpose of the Philosophical Angle is to examine the nature of concepts and, and uh, ideas and, uh, in current media. And um, last week we uh, we saw the uh, joint uh, the, the Biden speech to the joint session of Congress, and uh, my impression was that um, coming away from that speech is that President Biden and his Democratic uh, associates uh, don't like America seem to uh, criticize it pretty heavily, especially about race, and but uh, they seem to uh, definitely hate America in some cases. And uh, so we're going to uh, we're going to take a look at that. But in order for us to uh, really go forward and um, discuss this, we need to decide first of all what is hate, and um, so let's define hate. And hate is that which you dislike, and in addition to disliking it, you can't do anything about it. So you don't hate anything until you dislike it and cannot do anything about it. So what is it about the Democrats that make them hate America? In other words, they dislike America, plus they can't do anything about it, and that's why they hate America. So uh, in order to proceed with that, uh, now that we've established our definition of hate, we also need to understand why, what is, uh, what, how does the talk, how does the clock tick uh, in the inside the uh, the democratic liberal mind? So we're going to review that a little bit. We uh, we typically uh, 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 we typically uh, talk about that here and. Uh, we're going to bring up a little diagram on the nature of the political left and uh, the and the political right. And uh, so let's uh, let's take a look at that. So the Democrats come from the halves of society. And because all political parties come about from having evolved from the uh, uh, from the haves or the have-nots, when you go back all the way back through other centuries, you see that all political parties really you've got really they 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 originated in two parts: those that have things and those that do not. And originally, it was the king and queen that had the that had things, and they took it from the serfs. Uh, they took it from the uh, uh, the proletariats, and uh, in modern day, as society grew, uh, the haves, the king and queen, and the nobles, 
uh, they had to have their facilitators to help them out, and that was their nobles. And then in modern day, uh, as society even grew uh, more and more, they have to have not only uh, nobles, but uh, associates now, uh, uh, facilitators, and these are the government bureaucrats. And in addition, the corporate, uh, the, uh, the government bureaucrats need to become friends with corporate management. And you see that constantly, how uh, the government bureaucrats try to bring in corporate management, the president and uh, the, those, uh, the, the operators of the, of the management of the corporation, because the corporations, the large corporations, uh, have uh, many people which pay taxes. And so you need uh, these people to pay taxes, and so they incorporate the management into the, uh, to being facilitators of the government bureaucrats, which are uh, uh, work with the kings and queens of society, and today we call that a president, and, the, and Congress, and the Supreme Court, and the others that, that run society. And they run society, and all halves, and all the governments, they all run society by controlling society. They make their laws and regulations. And they do this uh, because uh, they, they, they need to control society uh, through their laws and regulations. And they, it's a natural thing for them to do because then they can uh, tax you or take what, uh, what they want from the serfs and the proletariats and the slaves of society. And they do this because uh, uh, there are several dictums that control political behavior. Let's go over those. The first dictum is the, is the law of the demand for the good. In other words, all of society, all of life demands that which is good for it. And just like the king and kings and queens of, uh, and, and, and government bureaucrats today and corporate managers, they all want that which is good for them. So uh, they're willing to take what you have because it's for them to have it is better for them than it is for you. Second dictum of political behavior is St. Augustine's principle of libido dominandi, the will to dominate. And so the, uh, uh, the king and queens keep their domination. Uh, they dominate others and uh, the government workers will dominate others because that allows them to control and bring more uh, to their coffers uh, because they'll want more for themselves than what than uh, uh, and, and a constantly and on an ongoing basis because all life demands and continues to demand that which is good for it. And the third dictum, which we uh, uh, which we need to discuss here, is that the haves uh, uh, are uh, uh, believe that the have-nots are uh, are not good. So over here is the uh, the third dictum of the have the have-nots. Are, are inherently not good, and this is the belief of the of the haves. And the fourth dictum, which we're going to discuss here in a second, is no, noblesse oblige, which means that uh, the, the the haves the haves realize that they have to provide for the have-nots because if they don't, uh, the have-nots become too oppressed. Then the uh, then they rise up. And uh, things like the French Revolution happen, and suddenly uh, the haves are on the guillotine. So they know that they have to, they can't make the the uh, the have-nots downtrodden too much, otherwise they they'll, they'll try to rise up. And throughout history, we've seen that.
so there's a uh, so so you, you, there's a, the basic con- setup of society, the haves with the have-nots. But the trouble is, is that that first dictum gets in the way when for the uh, the have-nots. And uh, for the have-nots, who are the serfs, the slaves, the, the worker bees, they want to break out, and they want to uh, create something that's good for society and be able to sell it and make a, and improve their lives. And so they try to break out of their serfdom. And, uh, they, and they move out of there into a, 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 a middle class. And uh, then they form companies and and uh, and do well and uh, and pro- uh, progress. Um, but nevertheless, it's thought during all this process that uh, that the haves know that the have-nots are basically bad people, and then that nature is inherently bad. So they don't have much respect for the uh, individual rights of the have-nots, even though they've climbed out and of into the uh, middle class uh, in in the eyes of the haves they're they're uh, they're inherently bad people and need to be controlled and they need to be controlled uh, through uh, negative knowledge which are laws and regulations plus force and this is used to, to control the have-nots and this uh, necessarily control of the have-nots means that there will be economic and equal social justice of the have-nots, whereby everybody stays where they are in society, whereby everybody is equal in every way. And that's what they want to control. It's due to the noblesse oblige, dictum number four. They're going to keep them, uh, they're going to provide for them, and for the leftists, these are the typical societies of the communists, the fascists, the socialists, uh, and throughout history, uh, that have uh, provides for the the very basic necessities of the have-nots, which uh, work to provide uh, the uh, wealth for the uh, for the haves. And uh, and uh, so the have-nots are are known as the deplorables. Um, and so uh, the haves. The have-nots. They jump out into the into the class of the haves, and to the haves, this is inexcusable, and it's inexcusable because um, they've jumped out of their category, and and this causes a, a problem for the facilitators, and it and it sometimes it causes a really bad problem if there is a a violent breakout, as we discussed about the, according to uh, to the revolutions that have happened throughout history. So. Uh, 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 so they, the haves, are uh, do not want that to happen. So uh, and so they created the dictum number four, noblesse oblige, but that is violated when they when the when the serfs jump out, because they're guaranteed minimum wage and uh, which is welfare, and uh, and the nobles had a loyalty to provide the the minimum amount of uh, basic necessities for life. And this nonconformity violates the the contract, and so, but uh, so, and there's a second problem that develops, and uh, the 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 jump out into the by the by the serfs causes a, a morality problem because the nonconformity causes an inequality in the serf class. Somebody's acquiring, 
somebody's achieving more goodness for himself than the rest of the serf class. And therefore, this is an unethical action by these have-nots. And uh, by going into the middle class, and, and the haves would view this nonconformity as unethical and deplorable. And they consider that deplorable because they are inherently bad. Uh, so they need to be controlled. And because the have-nots are bad and, and, and unethical, there is no need for the haves to cooperate with them anymore. And if there's no need to cooperate with them because they've broken out and they've uh, violated the contract, uh, they, uh, uh, they uh, lose their ethical, uh, it, it violates their ethicals uh, uh, to perform uh, the cooperative nature of providing them the uh, their uh, their basic needs, and uh, uh, and and so that's why they begin to use the ends justifies the means rationality in dealing with the with the deplorables, and uh, therefore Democrats feel that lying is okay when speaking to the deplorables. There's no need to be ethical. But something stands in the way of the left implementing their control over the lower classes, over the serfs. And that which stops them, and this is what causes the hate that the left has for the United States, because it is the U.S. Constitution that prevents them from totally controlling the lower classes. And what is it inside the Constitution that does it? Well, it's Amendments 14, 15, and 19, and Amendments 4, 5, 9, and 10, uh, plus Article 1, Section 10, about uh, being able to construct contracts. But these are the, uh, these are the amendments, such as the law implying, uh, impairing the obligation of contracts, the right of the people to uh, be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, nor shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself, nor to be deprived of life, liberty, and property without due process of law, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. Powers not delegated to the, to the U.S. Uh, by the Constitution are reserved to the states, respectively, or to the people. The right of the citizens to vote shall not be denied. And so these are the things that, <clears throat> in the U.S. Constitution, that prevent the left from controlling the have-nots. And uh, so that's why the left hates America because, and that's why also the left wants to pack the Supreme Court because the Supreme Court will back up the Constitution, which prevents the left from securing all the what they have in mind for the serfs. So let's ask Rick what he thinks of the speech uh, uh, the other night of uh, President Biden. Rick, what, what what's your opinion of that speech? Well, amongst the things that stand out are some of the willful misrepresentations that you know white nationalism is somehow the most serious form of uh, domestic terrorism. This is ludicrous. Uh, and, the, you know, when 
you know, when put in the context of what's actually happened over the past year with literally hundreds of millions of dollars in property being destroyed by uh, Antifa and BLM and, and, and so forth, uh, and, you know, none of this being called out uh, during the speech. So there's no, there's no equanimity with respect to addressing, you know, that topic. Um, I guess, you know, the degree to which uh, Biden has, um, you know, followed to the T, you know, the narrative set forth by, you know, what were previously regarded as kind of, you know, extreme leftist Democrats um, has attracted voluminous commentary in the Wall Street Journal, the National Review, and elsewhere. And you know, I won't uh, regurgitate any of that, except to say that uh, uh, it's, it's clear that they are sharpening the tools they're going to need to enforce um, the diktats of the administrative state. Um, and in particular, this you know, $60 billion dollars or thereabouts to uh, hire more IRS uh, you know, tax auditors and beef up the IRS. And this is a this is a weapon with a twofold purpose. Uh, allegedly, they you know they claim to want to re- recover more of uh, what they regard as unpaid tax liabilities, but in reality, uh, the threat of an audit for an individual or a corporation is a very serious threat um, and it's a threat uh, I would argue that they will use repeatedly in the coming years to bring corporations and individuals into line um, and with with all of the measures they are proposing whether it's you know the regular severe regulations that um, are uh, part and parcel of their Green New Deal because that's actually what the infrastructure bill is about, right? It's it's a it's a repackaged form of the Green New Deal uh, in many areas. Um, they're going to resort to uh, very severe enforcement measures, you know, even as they're letting criminals out of jail, mind you. Uh, but they're going to uh, resort to very severe enforcement enforcement measures to remake the U.S. economy uh, into a vision of what they believe um, the U.S. should be, uh, you know, a green energy-based, non-fossil fuel-based economy. So, you know, I don't think the stock markets recognize this yet, but for as many um, subsidies and so forth that can be provided to stimulate green energy usage and control pollution and so forth. You know, there will be other regulatory measures that will effectively kill uh, or greatly diminish other industries that they view as standing in the way. Obviously, the whole fossil fuel industry and all of the industries that support it, uh, the equipment manufacturers, you know, the pipeline manufacturers, uh, the refineries, all of that is within the purview of their broader target of converting uh, the United States and ultimately the world to 
uh, you know, zero emissions um, threshold uh, in a very short time frame, I might add. And uh, J.P. Morgan and you know other firms have come out with reports, you know, trying to estimate the cost of all this and whether it's even possible. And uh, you know, the, the general conclusion is that it, not only is it not possible um, to replace uh, all fossil fuel usage with green energy forms in any reasonable time frame, um, the cost of it is uh, astronomical and far beyond the costs that have been cited thus far. So you, you can consider, you know, the quote unquote infrastructure bill as, you know, an opening gambit, uh, which will be followed up by other similar bills uh, or, you know, administrative measures that are designed to achieve this holy grail. Rick, what are the consequences of this going forward? Well, uh, some industries will, will grow. Um, you know, uh, EV, the EV business is going to prosper mightily. They, you know, the, the federal government has uh, declared that they want to build uh, 500,000 uh, charging stations across the U.S. That's that's about 10 times the current number. That's big. Uh, so anybody in that business um, that has a competitive product is going to uh, prosper. Um, but uh, equally, uh, the regulations being contemplated to you know, discourage uh, business in, in oil and other fossil fuels are gonna, will mean that the, you know, the price of gasoline is going to rise significantly, already has, uh, but that will continue. Uh, it's a supply and demand issue and a, a regulatory issue as well. Uh, taxes on fuel usage will obviously go up. Um, uh, certainly, it, it's already happening at the state levels. Uh, here in Washington State, they're proposing a huge increase in the gasoline tax. So uh, those businesses will suffer, and shareholders of those businesses will suffer. So while nascent technologies may receive a big boost and shareholders in those technologies uh, will prosper from that. Uh, shareholders of you know, fossil fuel companies and all the uh, attendant industries, which, which is very, very significant, is a very large part of the U.S. economy, uh, will suffer mightily. So you know, the implications for the stock market are obviously very mixed. Uh, on the one hand, you'll have uh, some companies uh, skyrocketing. Others, on the other hand, you'll have established companies that wither. Um, and I would add that um, suggesting that you know the world will become you know the dominant supplier of some of these products is 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 a dicey proposition. Uh, just for example, in the area of solar panels, I think China has you know, 70, 80 percent market share in global solar panels. So uh, you know, is, is Biden actually suggesting that the United States is going to displace China in that product market? Apparently he is, uh, but that won't happen. We will not be able to undercut China in that kind of product with that, when they have such a, a huge head start. Correct. Rick, thanks for uh, 
thanks for that. And we'll see everybody else uh, next week on the next edition of The Philosophical Angle. Thank you for joining us on The Philosophical Angle podcast. Be sure to subscribe and join us for the next installment.